When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Sharpen the Point. I'm Brian Peller and here with Chris Tindall. Week 12 of the college football season, the penultimate week of the college football regular season. Uh, God, I can't believe we're here already. For all of our new listeners, we are a college football game and DFS picks pod. Thank you for choosing to check us out here on the second and last week of the regular season. We'll have another episode for you next week, plus then the conference championship weeks. And we'll probably do at least one around the... Uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day time-ish. I guess we got to figure out the schedule for that and and maybe a title game showdown. Who knows? We'll figure something out for that time. But you'll at least get the next couple of weeks plus one more down the road. Um, If you are finding us on a podcast, appreciate it. Uh, We also have an article on TomahawkNation.com with some of this info. Of course, you get more of it here on the podcast form. We'll give you the next best ideas we've got over what's coming this weekend and what we saw the past week over the next hour. You can kind of get it in a crunched form there. But, you know, there's some podcast exclusives that tend out to be a little better than you'd find in the article. So appreciate you listening. And remember, if you are betting or playing these picks, do so responsibly. Follow our picks at your own risk. We're just some guys with keyboards and microphones. Um, you know, we're giving you a thoughts on, on what we're thinking. Follow it if you'd like. Follow if you don't. Uh, based off of the way my last my last week went, maybe don't. If you went with the week before, maybe follow. Who knows? Uh, it's up and down. That's the way betting works, right? But anyway... Yeah rambling and meandering around to all the way get back to we always start what went right what went wrong dfs first chris ollie gordon murdered us it was the ollie gordon pain train he Um, killed us man i think (laughs) that it was the weather that's the only thing i can come up with because that's a situation where you had the second worst run defense in the country facing off against the guy who had just blistered everybody for 200 yards and three touchdowns for like six weeks right and then i wasn't on him for the first three weeks then i got on him a little bit towards the end i was off him for the oklahoma game and said the matchup's too good to fade and in fairness to me everybody else was on him so i was still fine because I managed to get on a low-owned Cody Schrader somehow. I don't know how because I never like playing him. I was going to say, you text me, you jumped on him, and I was like, you always push Schrader away. That's amazing. Yeah. I <laughs> Missouri I was, running back for those keeping track. Yes, Missouri running back. It, it was Saturday morning, and I saw a stat that he ran for 120 yards against Georgia the week before, and I was like, oh. This could be a fun play. Let's throw him in there at 6K because I had 6K left for that last spot. And I was like, I'll do it. Why not? I was either him or Phil Maffa. And I was like, I don't love Shipley coming back. So I I went Schrader and it paid off in spades. Yeah, 35 carries, 205 yards and a touchdown to go with five receptions and 116 yards. That's 321 total yards, five receptions and a touchdown. That works. That, That plays, especially at 6K. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it played real nice, and and I played a little bit of Tet. I went against kind of. I wanted to go back to Tet, uh, even though Cowing Cowing played well. He got that touchdown early, but he got hurt uh, early in the game and left. They say he's going to play this week. Hughes, we were we were loving watching him on uh, the early slate. Uh, it was fun to watch him for Tulane out the gate. He was a little ball of energy. 
And Lincoln Victor finally showed up. He did not goose us with a injury holding the field goal. So <laughs> that was a win. Uh, we'll, we'll try to improve this week. This week's a lot tighter. Um, the quarterback play was good last week, but man, there was some special performances at quarterback in different slates. You know, you had that Jaden Daniels monster late. And then that Dylan Gabriel game too. I think he put up 63. You were, you were going, Oh man, Daniels is going off for me. And I was like, yeah, bud, but you don't have Dylan Gabriel with his eight touchdowns. I think I still finished top 100 in a, in a night tournament because I, I had so much of that LSU Florida game. Uh, I had ETN who I think had three touchdowns and you were like, that's a terrible decision. And I, and it probably was, but I just went with a guy out of, out of Louisiana playing against the team that quote unquote, missed on him i went narrative and it worked um but yeah i mean that that dylan gabriel game was stupid and i mean daniels had 600 yards so he ended up with 68 also but uh, that gabriel now, game but was ridiculous captain nepotism's been putting up numbers the last couple of weeks but like he's he's been carrying that oklahoma offense uh with with <laughs> gabriel stoops. yeah stoops has been on fire i think he's had over 150 and two each of the last couple of weeks well i uh I certainly need to look closer at the later slates sooner because I feel like I always jump in those late. I do these and then like, I'm like, well, did I win the early slate? Yeah, I won enough. I could do two lineups in the late slate when I don't actually like pre-plan them. And then I kind of wing it. It just worked out a lot for me last week. Uh, of course, the slates on DraftKings here, who are the lines we use, the, the picks and numbers we use, uh, they do their you know main slate, as like I've said before, the noon Eastern, 3.30 Eastern, Maybe a four o'clock one or two will sneak in there occasionally. Um, and then they have the night slate, obviously the seven o'clock starts or sometimes the extra late starts. So uh, just kind of that collection of games. We we give you here the, the main slate, that noon 3.30 start. But uh, I know you and I are texting all through the night on the seven o'clock slate. And, and why didn't we have the Texas A&M quarterback who was basically pennies for eight billion touchdowns? Oh, yeah, the Texas A&M quarterback was killing me last week. He, I think he put 25 <laughs> points for 4,500. It was a big miss on my part. But um, my favorite slate by far, in a way, is the 11 p.m., like, or I guess it would be 10 p.m. for you guys. And it's the best, the late-night West Coast game, and especially if you get that 11, to, uh, that midnight Hawaii game. It's nothing like sweating that sucker, except for the fact that uh, the Hawaii games, I figured it out. It comes on SPAC, and it's like a pay-per-view channel, and it's $28 a game. Wow. <laughs> That's $28 a game. Hawaii, I mean, look, we're all he we're heading towards that for all the sports, but uh, I, I, to Hawaii, I guess, I don't know. Good for them if it pays for it. Enough gamblers will pay it. Why not? Uh, I am excited. I heard you say the tight, tight scoring, tight um, – salaries this week so i feel like we've done better on the tight salaried slate so excited to see what you've got there lord knows i'm apparently due for a seven and three week this week because i went three and seven last week so if you're keeping track at home then my last three weeks are three and seven seven and three three and seven so again the pattern should hold and i go seven and three this week season record 56 60 56 and 61 so five under 500 every time i get one away i drop again five back so hopefully we get back on that and uh you know, jump back to 500. I'm, I'm dying to do it. I've been under 500 since week zero. Again, if you take out week zero, I am 500. I'm 54 and 54. But week zero counts, so here we are. Um, We go back to what happened a week ago, obviously first. And I never want to watch Michigan and Penn State play football again. I am I, I have been texting our mutual friend Andre all week about 
I don't understand how James Franklin is employed and will continue to be employed for the next 10 years. I had Penn State plus five and a half, assuming a team playing without their coach on the road against the only team they've played that's got a pulse all season that wasn't named UNLV, could at least cover five and a half at home. Uh, Michigan was boring and Penn State somehow managed to be worse. I got off the podcast and immediately bet Michigan, uh, put a a little (laughs) bet down on them. I just didn't think Penn State could score on them. They couldn't. McCarthy was seven of eight in the first quarter last week, and I don't. He barely threw the ball. After they that. did not so, throw. They did not throw one pass. Well, they attempted one that got taken back on a penalty. But from yeah. the midway point of the second quarter to the end of the game, Michigan ran the ball every counted play outside of. They had the one play that was taken back on DPI. Yeah, it seemed like maybe they were trying to prove a point that we don't even need to throw the ball to beat a top ten team. Yeah, it, it was it was certainly a flex. And then, of course, after the game, you end up in the tears and the theatrics as if Harbaugh, di- Harbaugh died, as opposed to him actually just serving the second three-game suspension for a different cheating scandal in the same season. Yeah, they. we'll see what happens there. That's an interesting dilemma. Well, I just assumed he was going to get some kind of uh, Draymond Green treatment on the suspension, you know, like a repeat offender. He automatically gets like five games, but... I guess just give him another three three gamer and let's see what happens. Of course, Michigan's trying to take it like the Supreme Court, and they finally today said, "Ah, we'll settle. We've got enough steins stolen from Ohio State, and we can beat them without it without him and there, so we'll be fine." It's such a weird situation to me because I feel like I don't understand how a team couldn't just employ like if LSU sent me a thing and was like, "Hey, we want you to watch all the film. Here's the all twenty two for these teams." figure out what their signs are and then they pay you X amount of dollars. You could do it. Like it would not be that difficult. You feel like, so, it. I mean, it's just, I, I guess the, change your signs. Yeah. It's very I, simple. I guess the electronics of it, I've seen some coaches saying you're basically asking the players to learn an entire new playbook each week, which, you know, in terms of school and everything, like these aren't professionals, they're college students at the end of the day. It's not easy to flip the entire signal base and, you know, you end up on the road at Michigan. You're trying to change your signals at the last second, and then all of a sudden a kid runs the wrong route and the game's over. Um, you know, I think if even if you know they're doing it, it does put that pressure on you. I mean, it did also help TCU beat them last year. So the best line ever given uh, would have been, what was his name? Um, uh, what was the quarterback that died from Ohio State? Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones one time said, I'm not here to play school. So there's a lot more time put into uh, to learning signals and stuff. I think Cardell Jones is still with us. I think Cardell Jones is still with us. Yeah, no, that was the one who died. No, I don't think so. Was it was it a different Ohio State quarterback? I think I believe so. Yeah, I'll have to look into that one. We'll come back around to it. I believe Cardell Jones is still with us, but he did say, "I'm not here to play school." It was Uh, an all time line. It certainly was. Kentucky was my next pick in the noon slate, and I noticed in the first about five seconds they were outmatched, uh, and yet continued to chase this one down the rabbit hole in plus 21.5, plus 28.5. I took it plus 29.5, and and I think I lost all of them. Uh, Jalen Milrow continues to look great, and Bama just flatly steamrolled them. No, No hangover there. It was Dwayne Haskins. Apologies to the Cardale Jones family. 12 gauge, as he was known. (laughs) Yeah. Kentucky just was boat raced. It was ugly. Devin Leary has regressed significantly since he's 
even at his time at NC State, even Brendan Armstrong makes it makes him look better at this point. But that's our obligatory Brendan Armstrong take for the week. <laughs> He's now back starting. Um, Alabama looks great. I that them against Georgia in the SEC championship game would be fabulous to watch. I know we'd like to watch LSU to well, see Jaden Daniels can do, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, it would be a bloodbath from a defensive standpoint. But Alabama is playing some real good football right now, and they're really being carried by Milrow. And that's not something you would have said coming out of that USF game. Not at all. I mean, he gets benched for that game. The rest of the quarterbacks are garbage. Um, you know, they talked about it on the broadcast a lot. They've catered this offense to him. They, the Tommy Reese has basically started meeting with him every week and saying, which plays, here are the plays that I like. For this week, which ones do you like out of the plays I like and molding the playbook around those, I guess, to give him the most confidence in what he's doing. Basically, all they're saying is get out there and be an athlete, dude. And it's working. I mean, you know, he's he's found the confidence and that's allowing him to be a, a better thrower. It's like putting more guys open. Uh, maybe, I, maybe Tommy Reese wasn't the problem at Notre Dame because like now Notre Dame still looks like Notre Dame even with a new coach, even with new offensive coordinators and everything and new quarterback. And then Tommy Reese is over here running this fun stuff. He's got guys all over the place. I am concerned about Florida state and I'm interested on your take on this one. I brought it up in some capacity on the show. I don't believe this team can run the ball. Um, Even though it turns out Trey Benson is the national leader in yards before contact. Um, but nothing in their games against good run offenses tells me so. This was one we thought they would have a hard time running the ball and would be a game where they would be able to throw it around a little more against Miami. They did not throw it particularly well. They ran it pretty well. I mean, okay to good. Uh, I, I am concerned because we had a long conversation on the pod this week that, that you know, they were talking about the, the guy, my co-host on uh, – uh, the seminal rap podcast here on Tomahawk Nation that uh, this is an elite defense that Florida State has, and I don't believe they've played a starting quarterback since the Clemson game. Um, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, um, Miami, obviously. I don't think they've played anyone that is worth anything, and I'm concerned. We've been talking for weeks on that podcast about how Florida State is going to flip a switch and look elite once this and once that and once this, you know, it's week 12. There's not really much once this happens. I feel like at some point I have to just accept you are who you are. And I'm concerned if they play Louisville and especially if they make it to the college football playoff, that this team can win one and especially not two games in a row unless they actually just out of nowhere do flip a switch. I was listening to something earlier today where they kind of explained it well that we haven't really seen Florida State face tough competition yet necessarily. So, like, they should have blown Miami out. There's been a lot of instances where we felt like they should have blown somebody out, but didn't. And I think we believe that they're undefeated and they're deserving to be up there, certainly, because they've won the games they've played. But we kind of have a bias of before the season, we thought that schedule was so difficult, but a lot of the teams that they played that were the tough games that we thought would be tough games that we thought would be tough opponents 
are kind of paper tigers at this point. Like they're Literally. not really yeah. the yeah they're not really LSU the teams we expected. Players. Yeah, you look at LSU like their defense is is just paper mache. Yeah, I talked about this after that game, and I mentioned it on the pod this week was we gave Florida State a pass for the run game not working in that game because. <laughs> LSU's run defense is great. Their defense, the tackles are some of the best in the country. Harold Perkins is elite. Uh, and in the weeks after, we have learned that they are actually terrible. Um, and anyone can throw the ball on them. And I, you know, that that was one where I was like, oh, maybe my opinion there was formed incorrectly on a game I shouldn't have given them that much credit on or, or given them a pass on. Yeah, and then you know, Duke was a letdown because of the uh, baby Limits Daniel to- Jones. Yeah. You know, so that was a letdown. Clemson's clearly not who we used are used to them being. They're just really, I mean, it, Miami's not good at all, in my opinion. So that's not really anything to judge off of. I know you mentioned Virginia Tech having their backup quarterback. That was an upgrade. Wells <laughs> is terrible. Drones is better, but Drones is terrible too. He's a you know, Castellanos. Castellanos hasn't even looked half as good as he did in that Florida State game in any other game this year. So I, there's some weird stuff. I, I don't know. They're probably the team in the country that I know, I feel like I know the least about. Yeah, I just, where I end up with them is I don't know what their identity is. And and I feel like it is a double-sided coin that I see both the good and bad in that. They are very good at taking what's available to them but I worry in a game if they were maybe to match up with Georgia. What's available might be nothing. And you have to take something and do it. So that's where my concern is. Uh, after watching this game in a few weeks, like I was like, this is the one. I see it. You have the advantage. Jordan, all the receivers back. They clicked the week before. Um, I mean, look, this game wasn't as close as the final score was. There was one missed play that, that made this a seven-point game. It really was 14. But I just... We expected this Florida State offense to run away from teams. They did it in the LSU game at the end. Um, I just have we just haven't seen it at all since against someone who really feels like a real team. And I don't blame them for for that and mixing things in. I just think it's really hard to walk into a game where you need to have it and have to then all of a sudden find it and summon it. I'm, I'm not saying their resume isn't worthwhile. I'm not saying they aren't a elite team, a team who shouldn't make the playoff. I believe they are all of that. I'm just worried about their ability to flip the switch when it all of a sudden has to be flipped. That That's what concerns me with Florida State. It seems like they might be just missing that killer instinct to put a team away by stepping on their throat and finishing them off. Yeah, and I thought that's what they had after the LSU game, and, and I'm concerned on what, what that looks like now. Uh, one team that continues to be a huge surprise is Missouri. Uh, they went from number 14 in this blowout victory as an Home underdog to Tennessee. That line didn't make any sense to me. Um, they seem really good. Eli Drinkowitz, coach of the year? Uh, yeah, that, that seems fairly certain at this point. They, they have performed very well. Luther Burden even didn't uh, didn't play. He played, but he didn't produce last week. I think he's still got a lingering injury, so I think that'll carry over into this week. I uh, I won't spend a lot of time on this one because we have them coming up, but Washington fails to cover the nine and a half against Utah. They do win. Uh, they fail to cover because they do drop the ball before we got in. Always an embarrassment. Always hurts, especially when you end up, you know, you're sitting there at a two-score line. You go, and of course, that's going to cost me. Those uh, because- are the types of things that make you want to call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> we talked about Oklahoma State UCF. Uh, this is the one we got the most wrong. Oklahoma State minus two and a half. 
I did mention it was a weird line. I've been quick to jump on weird lines all season. Uh, I did not jump on this one as a weird line. I said, yeah, it's weird, but uh, I don't. it doesn't make sense to me. It just seems like someone's doing some kind of miscalculation wrong there, and that person was me. Uh, so UCF gets the blowout win there, and it's gut-wrenching, and we move on. Georgia absolutely dominates Ole Miss, and I think we called that one. They look like a wrecking ball again. Brock Bowers is somehow going to win, like, best offensive lineman in the country. Did you see that he was nominated for that award? I, I believe it. <laughs> they they look legit. They're they're really good. I, it was a it was a good week to be a dart detractor. Yeah, we've been on that train for a while, and um, well, we've got Georgia coming up in a bit, so I won't spend too much time on them either. I'll go ahead. Texas at TCU. I told you TCU. I uh, I just felt like this was a game where something weird could happen. Uh, I think I brought up the Texas Texas Tech game, like the Michael Crabtree, and was like. Why couldn't TCU just win this thing? Uh, they made a run at it, but too little, too late. They did cover, though, so that was another win for me. Yep, you love to see it. They, they're playing a lot better ball right now. Imani Bailey carried them a little bit, and they actually threw the ball pretty well this week, finally, for for once. And Jonathan Brooks being out is going to be a big thorn in the side of Texas going forward. Yeah, I missed that one. Uh, you, you brought it to my attention before the show, so I'll let you have the credit on, on sharing that one. What happened to Jonathan Brooks? Torn ACL out for the season. Yeah, and he's their uh, lead runner. He's been uh, largely the offense. If, if those of you who play NFL fantasy football, he is well was the heir to to Bijan Robinson last year at Texas. So uh, that's a big piece for them. Who takes over that role? C.J. Baxter, true freshman. He started the year as the starter and ended up losing the role after he landed on a football and hurt his ribs. So he's uh, he's now reclaimed the number one spot. So we will check in on Texas in a bit as well. I took North Carolina minus 14 and a half, figuring how could they lose to like Duke with like one of their 15 running back wide receiver quarterbacks they've been starting the last few weeks. Uh, I guess it was too big of a number in a rivalry game, and it was uh, a dumb decision by me. The third string quarterback actually played pretty well. I We're going to talk about that North Carolina run defense a little later. That's for sure. Yeah, they've got problems. Um they're still in the ACC title picture, so I guess we'll see. I had, uh, speaking of run defense problems, I pegged this USC 15 and a half, Oregon laying 15 and a half to USC as they're going to run the ball all over them. And uh, Oregon didn't really throttle them. USC was around and, and Oregon failed to cover there. Uh, fire ID with the coordinator play a little better. Uh, I I don't think I would say that. <laughs> if you looked, if you looked, <laughs> could have played worse. Yeah, if you looked early in that game, I think at one point Bo Nix was three three of three passing for almost two hundred yards and and three touchdowns. Oh, that's hit, right. Yeah, he I hit saw that. Tez Johnson for like a seventy yarder to start the game. He hit Troy Franklin for an eighty yarder on the second time they had the ball, and the third time they had it, he hit Tez again for fifty. Yeah. I- that bonix stat line drove me nuts. And then you gave us a bonus bet last week. You had Old Dominion plus 13 and a half against Liberty. Uh, that went poorly, 38-3 entering the fourth. So Yeah, this is my shut up and dribble moment. Just go back to <laughs> DFS. Don't talk bets. Shut up and go back to what you do best. Uh, before we get to this week's slate of games, there's a conversation I want to have with you about the Heisman because it's a huge week for the Heisman. We've got two, th- well, three weeks left here, two weeks left in the regular season, and votes due, obviously, in conference championship week as far as i see it i think there's four guys left in this race really i want to narrow it to three um to give you the the perspective on where the betting odds right now are on DraftKings sportsbook got bo nicks plus 110 as the current favorite 
Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback, plus 320. Michael Penix at Washington, plus 380. Marvin Harrison Jr., the Ohio State wide receiver, at 470, plus 475. Carson Beck, plus 4,000. Jalen Milrow and Jordan Travis, plus 6,000. Um, let me start at the bottom. I see more of a path for Milrow to win this award than Jordan Travis. Uh, Florida State started their like campaign for him this week, which was weird because they really started the campaign last January, and then out of nowhere, like today, they put up billboards for him or yesterday, and it just kind of felt like too little, too late. It also felt like too soon, you know, launching the website in January and beginning the push kind of put him as like a lead dog. And Lord knows we don't like a, a preseason favorite to win anything. Uh, we love us an underdog, so that kind of set him up. And then when he kind of has almost the exact same season as last year, we're always like, hmm, letdown. Uh, so I think he's kind of out. Agreed? I would say so. I think he he's out. Milrose also at plus 6,000. Uh, I guess if they win the next two games, which presumably they will, they got like Auburn and probably some cupcake this week. Uh, then they face Georgia in the title game. If he has another one of these six, seven touchdown games, I could see him in New York. I don't see him winning. It all comes down to that Georgia game to me. You, I don't, I, don't, I still don't see a chance where he ends up plus six thousand. I feel like if we're going to give it to if a guy he, for winning, it's not. It's if we're going to give it to a guy for stats, it, I think there's an answer. If we're going to give it to a guy for winning, I think there's already another answer. No, it's one of those situations where if he dominates the next two weeks and then gets to that Georgia game and can somehow muster up like a 200-yard rushing five touchdown. If he if he had the LSU game against Georgia and the other guys falter, he doesn't really need Daniels to falter necessarily. I mean, I think he kind of does. But like I said, it, it's all going to come down to the, the voter blocks. And there's going to be guys outside, and it comes down to regions. And yeah, they vote heavily on what. regions. Yeah, right. So that's where it gets interesting. I don't think Milrow should win it. I think he could steal votes from Daniels. Possibly, it's all about the height. There's still plenty of time for those Heisman moments over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, the next guy on the list, Carson Beck, plus four thousand, the Georgia quarterback. To me, he's just not there. I, I don't. I don't see the path for that even coming in. His numbers are good, um, but I think he's not the best player on his own team. I think that's Brock Bowers, and I get we're giving him credit because as the as the highest on the Heisman odds for them because Bowers was out. But um, it's kind of hard to win the award when you're not the best player on your own team. If Bowers was in, Bowers would be up there where, where Harrison is. Yeah, it feels like Beck is almost just like the. Well, if Brock was healthy, he'd be here placeholder in this in this list. Right. So we get down to the four real contenders, Marvin Harrison Jr. at plus 475. I think, and we talked about this before, I think he has an argument here. Um, his numbers aren't the best of any wide receiver. Um, there are you know, Malik Neighbors and other guys who have similar numbers, um, but he is carrying an offense on a top team as the best player. I don't think anyone's sitting here thinking McCord, the quarterback there at Ohio State, is better than he is and and it seems like they only go as Marvin goes. So the difference with why you're going to see Marvin here and you're not going to see neighbors here is look at like uh Taylor's numbers, right? Or Brian Thomas's numbers, right? Brian Thomas's numbers are close enough to neighbors. Go to Harrison, there's nobody even sniffing Harrison. There's nobody within a, like he's probably 60% of the receiving offense in that roster right now. 
So the, his his bump right there is what's going to give him that. And like I told you before, it's going to come down to that Michigan game. If he pops in that Michigan game and has just this monster, he could take control of this race. I think he is someone worth placing a bet on if you're looking for it um, for that exact reason. Because we all know that Big Ten title game is probably going to be wide open for whoever wins between Michigan and Ohio State. Um, I don't think anyone from Michigan really has a chance here for a multitude of reasons, one of which being all the scandals around the program, the others being they're boring. Uh, Forum hasn't been, doesn't have the numbers, and McCarthy obviously just gave us like a six-pass attempt game against Penn State. So uh, the only way it gets there is Ohio State, and the only way that gets there is through Marv. Uh, he'll probably carry some of the Midwest vote. And and to me, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the next on the list is someone I don't think is worth betting on. It's Michael Penix. He's plus 380. Um, he is the second in the Pac-12 at this point behind Bo Nix, who is the favorite. We'll get to in a second. Um, I just think if Penix and Washington beat Oregon, that it still doesn't go to him. They got to beat why they got to be Oregon State this week? We'll you know, get to that. It's that's going to be hard enough. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I look. We pegged it early on in the season when we first started this Heisman conversation. It was pick your favorites now because Penix is minus money and he shouldn't be, and everybody else was ten plus to one. You're kind of gotten to the point at this point where the the hay's in the barn and you really don't want to be placing bets on guys that right now because the odds are getting so slim. Yeah, I think I'm holding a Jaden Daniels at plus 1,800 or 1,600. or 18 is where he's Yeah, I can't access it because I'm not in Louisiana right now. But uh, it's I got it. I think it's around plus. I think it's plus 1,600. Uh, he is second in line at this at plus 320. Uh, I still think those are good odds uh his numbers are just ridiculous he he has the best statistical numbers at this point with two more games to play than any of the heisman trophy winners of the last 10 years except for joe burrow um you can lump in the guys who have won as three lost teams lamar jackson uh robert rg3 tim tebow the numbers are better than those were in their quote-unquote outstanding statistical years um and he's the conversation I had the other day with someone was he doesn't have the wins um, to give you the quote-unquote Heisman moments. Uh, last week, beating Florida. Florida, not great, uh, but he accounted for 600 total yards. The three losses the team has is at number, or, or you know, in Orlando, but that's really, you know, essentially at Florida State. I was there. It was a road game. Uh, number four, Florida State. At number six, Alabama. And then at uh, Ole Miss, who was just number 10, I think they're number 13 or 12 now. Uh, they have a win over number at number nine, Missouri. His worst game in that trio is the Florida State game where he aver- where he put up over 400 yards. Uh, the losses are not his fault. Uh, he's averaging 408 yards per game. Penix is second in the country at 350. He has more 20-yard plays by himself than any team. He's got like 10 more than USC has as a team and who is second. Um, I just think if you're voting on this award for stats... I don't see how he's not the stats player. It's very fair point. And I'm probably going to offend somebody by saying this. He could be the Colt Brennan of this Heisman race. <laughs> All numbers and no result. So, like, Timmy Chang didn't win a Heisman. He was out there running, shooting for June Jones. 
Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, the yeah, but you know, I mean, it, Tommy on. Chang play the 112 point shootout game in front of a bunch of people again at Ole Miss. You know, did he have the 370 yard first half at Alabama that everyone was watching? Like, at least he had the games in front of people that people saw. I agree. There, the only difference in this situation is it, he plays on an SEC team. And but it's a team that's not, lost three games. Like, when's the last time a guy lost three games and won a Heisman? Lamar Jackson, five uh, years ago, was, yeah. six years ago. Yeah, he was a numbers guy, and he has more numbers than Lamar. His, his numbers today, if he did not play two more games, are better than Lamar's were. Um, he's shockingly, so, he's 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 definitely a lot better than Lamar Jackson was. <laughs> that's for sure. Lamar was an electric runner, and Jaden's got a great ball. Uh, the guy I think. Should win it is Jaden Daniels. The guy I think who will win it is Bo Nix because voters love them a story. And the uh, the kid who started his career playing against Oregon, who leads Oregon to a college football playoff, is one I think will pull votes. I do think Jaden, uh, being an Arizona State guy who now is infinitely better at another school, could pull some of the Western vote. Um, so that's something I do think is in play. Uh, but I, I, I see why Bo Nix is the favorite, despite his numbers being... 70 yards per game worse, more turnovers, less touchdowns than Jaden. I doubt anybody in the Southeast votes for Bo Nix. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so they remember what they used to see, just kind of like we, at least with Jaden Daniels, those Arizona people and the West Coast people, they saw flashes. We would see flashes. This is the first time in his in his career he's ever put it together to this extent. Um I'm a little feel a little disrespected that uh, Jordan McLeod's not up there on this list in the top top four, but it's okay. We'll get to him too. And you know, it's it's one of those situations where do I think Bo Nix probably should win it? Yes, I, I do. I, I'm. Would I be upset if Bo Nix won it? No, not at all. Especially if he runs the runs the table, ends up beating Penix in a rematch that that avenges that loss. But I do think they have a tough game this week where they could be a little sleepy against Arizona State. Yeah, this is a huge week for it. I think the two Pac-12 teams have some very important games ahead here. Uh, the one thing that's going for them, of course, is they have the Pac-12 championship game against each other, which will be that de facto deciding game. Let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get to those games. The first one, the only noon game I think that's even moderately worth your attention is number 10 Louisville at Miami. They are one and a half point favorites on the road. We have five top 10 teams on the road this week one of them is actually an underdog we'll get to that in a second Louisville obviously not like I said minus one and a half um I'm gonna follow the logic of last week that's a weird number I think Louisville is better than Miami um but Miami's played very well up front on the defensive side of the ball they played very well up front on the offensive side of the ball I know Louisville can stop the run I'm horrified of Tyler Van Dyke turning the ball over um but that's a weird number. And so I'm going to teach myself from last week, a weird number, take the weird number. You're going to have a hard time having me disagree with what you're saying. <laughs> I just know that Van Dyke has to win this game. And I don't know that he can. I trust Jawar Jordan. We thought that the Duke run defense was very good. And Jawar Jordan exploded all, in, uh, all over Duke. And yeah. then you end up with... Like Miami's run defense is very good. It's averaging under three yards a carry. And Louisville's run defense is three yards a carry. 
I just don't love Miami's running backs, and I don't know how healthy Tyler Van Dyke is. So that scares me. I don't think he can get the ball out to the Restrepos, the Jacoby Georges. And like you said, that game last week was not as close as it looked, except for George got loose on an awful play. Awful route uh, to the ball taken there. Yeah, that was um, that was yeah. not great. So I, I would, I'm going to ride Louisville. I'm going to trust Braum. I'm going to trust they're getting it together. And I think that they're, I'm, I'm, I would look forward to them playing Florida State. I'm, I'm interested in this. Obviously, Louisville wins. They would be taking the, the second spot in that ACC championship game. Uh, so this is a win and in situation for them. Um, I'm interested if Miami is able to bottle up that run game and Plummer has to win one. I'm, I'm curious what that looks like on the road. Uh, I trust Plummer. I do trust Plummer. I've seen enough Plummer the last uh, couple years that he can sling it. He has a sneaky mobility, and Jamari Thrash is a weapon on the outside. He will be the best wide receiver on that field. Absolutely. So I'm interested to see it. I, this is the game I'm going to be locked in at noon. Uh, get a good preview. I know many of you are Florida State fans. Get a good preview of what Louisville looks like ahead of that ACC championship game. Be ready for it. That's a tough football team, but I'm 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 liking Miami here again because it's a weird number. Apologies to you on this one. College game day is heading to JMU this week. James Madison, your Dukes. Let's hear it for them, huh? They're not going to the postseason because you know reasons. Uh, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. The, oh, that's the, right. Because the attorney general wants to go to court. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Because we know a court little antitrust lawsuit out there. Court and college football goes so well. Uh, it freed Tez Walker. It, well, it did, but it took seven weeks, right? I mean, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't hold my breath, but we'll see. The attorney general didn't step in. Look, I, I've said from the beginning, I think it's better for them if they are banned from the bowls, like from the New Year's Six. I think it's better for us from a marketing standpoint. And also, you know, I believe that I saw a graphic that since 2015, college game day has been to X amount of places the most amount of times and we're the 10th most at three and LSU has four. And I assume Alabama has like 15. Uh, Ohio state led with 10. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, well, I guess they had the, they, they, they scheduled well out of conference and do the home and road games as opposed to like scheduling it in new Orleans or Atlanta, yeah, they got like, like Alabama has. They had the Oklahoma series and oh, yeah. Penn state. And well, this particular stuff. game is Appalachian state. Plus eight and a half at JMU. As we mentioned, college game day is going there, which naturally means this game will be showcased at 2 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. I was shocked. Really put it in a prime spot. Um, I was shocked. I apologize. I like App State in this game, not for any statistical reason other than they've lost nothing but close games. They've lost by three, like four different times. JMU is dominant. How dominant can you be all season? I don't know. I feel like the original underdog should get you and maybe they just lose by a touchdown. I'll take eight and a half on the road. Why not? So there's a lot of history in this rivalry. Uh, when I was attending there, Appalachian state was in FCS and they beat us the first year in the playoffs, which stunk and they won four straight national championships. And we were playing them. We were down 28 to three. Yeah. At halftime returned the opening kickoff at the half, and they didn't score the rest of the game. That was the team that beat Michigan and beat them at home. So tickets are flying off the shelves for this thing. It's been sold out for weeks. 
it opened at 10 and a half. I thought it should have opened at five and a half. So it's moved down to, I thought it was a five and a half point game. But what you just said, I was going to side with you and say, I'd take App State in the points because I think they're going to, I think Jamie wins by a three to seven, somewhere in there. But what you off. just said yeah. was the exact same thing and the exact same thesis that I used for picking Old Dominion over Liberty last week. <laughs> so I'm taking JMU now because you just used the same argument with an undefeated team. You said they only lose by a little bit. I'm well, taking they- JMU with the chip on their shoulder this week to just flat out dominate Appalachian State because their wide receiving course banged up with the Christian Horn and and I don't understand how they're going to move the football. They're not running it. I we know that. If there we know was JMU does not allow that. We learned that if there was with the Georgia State. Oh yeah. If we if, if there was NCAA stats, we'd be number one. But apparently we don't count. You don't even count in the stat book, which is my favorite part. That is, we could even publish your stats. Uh yes. another great game you can't watch. One of the only ranked games this week. Number 22, Utah, plus one and a half at number 17, Arizona. It's a 230 kick. Again, it's on the Pac-12 network, which all of you get nowhere. Um, If you get it, congratulations. You're like one of like nine people. That's quite literally why the conference is falling apart. Uh, Utah has been that team we've kind of talked about a lot, right? The the more physical team in this country, the team in this uh conference like i said the country in the in this conference they have been good not great two losses recently to oregon and washington both just dominant because that's what washington and oregon do recent form says this is an arizona win and they're at home again the line is weird though one and a half i'm just gonna go with inexplicable kyle whittingham win because why not i would take utah here but I'm very interested in what Arizona looks like. I really want to see Fafita and Fifta and how he looks. Uh, Jonah Coleman again. I love Ted McMillan. He's probably my favorite wide receiver in all of college football to watch at the moment. But Devon Vele looked good last week. The pig farmer looked good. And I'm really kind of hoping now that we got that, speaking of TROs, the Pac-12 got that uh, thing where now the two, the Pac-2 has the voting rights. And the conspiracy <laughs> theory is they could vote to disallow and ban everybody else from the conference championship game and play each other. Which would be just a ball of fun. I think that would be a blast. They should do that. That would be fun. That would be a, a really great, uh, great thing for Jaden Daniels, Heisman's chances. Just punch my own microphone. For those of you Wouldn't hurt him, that. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought Utah looked fine last week. Um, they, 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 I don't, I don't think they're as bad as we, as some people think they are, based on a couple of recent games. I, I, I I'm here for it. Uh, next on the list, number one Georgia hits the road. They're at number eighteen Tennessee. Georgia's ten and a half point favorite here. Uh, I've told you guys a few times recently. I don't understand why Tennessee is ranked. I don't get it. don't think they've put a good game out there for anyone to really see. I don't think there's one that I went like, hey, Tennessee looks good today. Um, so naturally, I'm picking them against the buzzsaw that is Georgia. I think Tennessee at home, this is the game that the fan base is going to want. I think this is one the crowd wants. I think they still lose. Um, why? I think Milton probably has a game here just because got to have one. 
right? You think he has one, and Missouri just basically stepped all over him last week. Eli Drinkowitz came over and told Josh Heupel, the, the Tennessee quarterback, we stand on business, Josh. Uh, you can't get sunned like that in a game and then not show up the next week. So I think they probably lose by 10, but I'll take 10 and a half. That crowd's going to be rowdy. It's going to be lubed up. It's going to be ready to go. And then Brock Bowers is going to slam it down their throat. <laughs> and then they're going to be quiet as can be right after that first touchdown going, oh, no, look what happened to us. You know, so I don't think it's going to go very well. It, it feels to me like we're one where we get a Milton uh, huge touchdown catch and the huge touchdown pass. And then all of a sudden it's seven, nothing for like a quarter. And then like Georgia wins like 24, 14. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like, think Oh, that, is this an upset? Right. And then, and then Georgia just kind of runs away from them the rest of the game. Uh, next up on the list. And I'm sure you've got plenty to say here. Number 20, North Carolina is on the road at unranked Clemson, 3.30 kickoff on ESPN, and they are seven-and-a-half-point underdogs. The committee has them ranked. They're more than a touchdown dog at Clemson. Yeah, give me the points. I mean, May is May's playing well enough right now, and he looks very good. And he – I don't know. It, it felt like a really lackluster game last week. They just looked down, and he somehow just willed them back. It, it, they were running the ball great with uh, Omarion Hampton. He's been looking good. Clemson statistically looks good. I think Clemson's going to score. I just think that the potential is there for North Carolina to outscore Clemson. And that is where I'm at. I, I, if this was under a touchdown, maybe six and a half, I feel like I would might I would lean closer towards Clemson. Uh, but with Drake May being the better quarterback of the two, as much as I like the way Clemson plays at home, I haven't scrolled down, but I'm assuming there's either a Maffa or a Shipley's name down here at some point, assuming uh, Shipley's head works. Uh, I'm sure they'll run the ball well on whatever this North Carolina defense looks like, but Drake May, I'm sure, can chase this and, and keep it close enough to, to cover the seven and a half. I feel like I a moron, but number six, Oregon is our next top 10 team on the road, our third in the list. They are minus 23 and a half at Arizona State. I'm going off the board on interesting reasons for this one to cover. Kenny Dillingham and Arizona State haven't been terrible. He comes from Oregon, obviously former uh, Florida State offensive coordinator as well. I think Oregon wins this game by a decent amount. I think we get a little bit of the like, hey, Kenny, we're not going to beat you by 40. I agree. I think that Arizona State keeps it close. They have some decent weapons on offense. I think Dillingham's got enough leash right now that he can do just about anything he wants on offense, and it's not really going to matter. And and nobody's going to really give him any any guff about it. I also have heard some rumblings that the potential that Bucky Irving could sit this one out. So that one I'm not sure about. That's very out there and questionable. But I think it's more of a Knicks game. I think it could be a Jordan James game. They really have the the potential to just kind of sit back. They're going to win this game. It's just not going to be that difficult to have to figure out this week. Yeah, I I don't think it's one they're going to put up a gaudy number. I think they might try for Bo Nix um, if they wanted to try and stack Heisman. But, you know, Dan Lanning's too busy fighting off uh, – Questions about whether or not he's going to Texas A&M as the 
private plane is heading up to Eugene, Oregon, which is probably just some rich guy going to spend a weekend in Oregon. But oh, one of the better ones was the uh, Liberty coach, was the coastal coach, and he. I think left. this was a fake tweet. It was it because I think it was a fake tweet it, because one of our people ca- like uh, caught it, and he it, like the geolocator in Starkville. I believe it was a fake tweet, but I'm not sure. What was it? What's his name? Chadwell. Jamie Chadwell. I, I heard it. it. Some people sussed it out, and there was people saying that it was fake. But it, I don't know. But that would be hilarious if he accidentally left left the geolocator on with Starkville. Internet says no, it was not true. Not oh, true. Darn. Oh yeah. But uh, the, the, for those who missed it, the tweet had a had someone had photoshopped the geotag that he was in Starkville. I mean, it makes a ton of sense, but. Take that Mississippi State job. Don't you love a game when both coaches get fired afterwards? It's the best. I mean, the writing was all over the wall. I mean, you knew AM was going to probably have to do something. It's the same thing I've been saying to, to Penn State over there. And obviously, Mississippi State is garbage. So uh, I don't understand. He took a air raid offense and was like, well, what we really need to do is just run the ball and lock Will Rogers down and make that happen. Obviously, that didn't work. Next on the list, uh, anybody interested in playing Texas in the Big 12 title game? Like, is anyone going to really try for it? Because it sure felt like Oklahoma State was going to be that team because they had three new Big 12 teams on their schedule left, which the, uh, I guess, legacy Big 12 teams have steamrolled them all season. And like we said, Oklahoma State got steamrolled themselves. So now we're going to four-way tie for second place in the Big 12. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Kansas State. There are three more teams, only one game out, Kansas, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. So in theory, I guess any of them can. The tiebreaker there is pretty convoluted. They, I think they voted to stand on its head-to-head first, and they're going to stand on that if they can. And then after that, they'll just figure out some weird math. I'm praying for the chaos in this one. And what a better chance to do it. It's Kansas State minus 8.5 at their rival Kansas. I'm going to go with Kansas here. They've been fun at home. Obviously, they got dominated in that Oklahoma game and still won. Um We've talked many a times. We don't know what to expect out of Kansas State any given week. It feels like even when they play well, sometimes it's not enough. Uh, Missouri, Texas is two examples. Um, they kind of use a little bit of everything. Kansas just seems chaotic enough to just win this game at home. So why not? At the risk of sounding ridiculous and something happening and being on old takes exposed here. I don't think anyone listens that closely. Yeah. Kansas State has played really well. Like yeah. I they, they don't get blown out. They just are always either in it or they're doing the blowing out. So that number is it's interesting. I would ride Kansas well, they're, State they're, they're, on they're the back eight, of the run defense. They're giving eight and a half. That's what I know. That's what I'm saying okay. though. Is I, what I'm saying is, is I think Kansas that that cover is going to be in play no matter what. Because they're going to be right there. It's just going to depend on if they get that extra touchdown. Who gets the, the extra touchdown? Right. That's all it is. That's all it is in this situation. Bean's been a little banged up. Devin Neal playing well. Odd ride with Kansas State. Will Howard's been more. It's been the Will Howard show. They have not been subbing the freshman in anymore to take in. I, I If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. They've been going back to one now. So give me give me the team that's got the better run defense, and I'm going to ride that team. It makes sense. I like a rivalry game. I'm taking the home team. That's kind of what I've been doing this week and, and sticking with it. Um, but I, it's hard to argue with K-State is probably the better team. 
Uh, speaking of probably the better team, we have another our, our fourth top 10 team on the road. This one, top five, number five, Washington plus two and a half at number 11, Oregon State. That's right. The number five team in the country with the guy who just two or three weeks ago was the minus 200 favorite to win the Heisman uh, is an underdog on the road. 730 on ABC. Corvallis ain't no easy place to play. I liked this number coming in. I was like, you know what? I wonder if Oregon State's going to be favored in this one. Uh, and they are. I like Oregon State. I feel like there's a reason Oregon State is favored. I feel like the money should probably be on Washington as casuals. Uh, but if the line is here, that tells me there's something going on. And I like Oregon State at home. I'd take Oregon State. Run def- The defense is overall Oregon State's better. Washington's looked looked bad on offense lately they've scored but the past game hasn't been there they haven't been in sync it seems like Odunze's playing fine but even Polk hadn't looked great they have really been missing McMillan he could or couldn't play on any given week we're trusting DJU uh, but that run (laughs) game is mainly what we're trusting well, I mean, even Oregon State's games that they have lost uh, haven't been bad. I mean, they, they've got two losses on the season. They are at Arizona, which we just talked about as a team that has been playing great this season. They lost that game two weeks ago by three points on the road. And then earlier this year at Washington State by three points as well. Uh, everyone else, they've, they've handled it by at least a touchdown. Every game at home by more than that, by at least 14. Um that's a good Oregon State team that plays really well in Corvallis. I like them a lot this week. I, and I, I liked I liked Oklahoma State last week, so maybe an O State team on the road or at home or Orange O State team is not the one I should be picking and having a lot of confidence in. But I really like Oregon State this week. Yep, not gonna hear any disagreement out of me. I think it really should. Obviously, that's gonna have a lot of impacts on the playoffs playoff odds. We talked about the Heisman odds. We talked about. I think that's gonna be. Why can't the Pac-12 go out in a fiery, chaotic mess? Because the Oregon State holds the key. They've got Washington this week. They've got Oregon next week. If they win both, they are in the Pac-12 title game. That would be that would be something. That would be amazing. Uh, next game on the list, we've got Florida plus 12 and a half at number nine, Missouri. We talked about it. Missouri looks damn good. I've picked them a lot this year. It's worked a lot this year. I've also warmed up to Florida lately. Uh, Mertz hasn't been terrible. He's gotten to just solid, which I think works in most games. I like their run game. I don't want to say I'd love their run game, but between ETN and uh, Montrell, they're, they're running the ball really well. Pearsall, Wilson, they've got weapons. I don't think they're good. I don't think they win, but I'm willing to take 12 and a half on the road. And at worst, if you're a Florida State fan, this is a preview of what you'll see next week. Florida State or or Florida versus a top 10 team. I'm worried about how good Missouri is against the run and how that will affect Florida. So they've only Missouri's only given up five uh, five touchdowns on the season on the ground. Can Mertz carry them? Probably. Their their weapons have looked very good. They didn't throw the ball as well last week as I thought they would. 
Uh, they, they, he really, I thought it was a shoe in He would get 300 yards last week, and he just kind of petered out late in that game. I'll be interested yeah. They had to the see one drop like. on that on that like kind of game ending drive, right? Um, it's like a fourth down play. He probably should yeah. have had him. And then Luther Burden still banged up, so there is still some question there as to how how healthy he is. So that does lend credence to how Florida's looked, and they've they've looked like they've played a lot better. This looks like a matchup that Cody Schrader should dominate. I'm just, I kind of want to take my take my win and go <laughs> home on that one. Yeah, I don't blame you. I'd take the ball and go home and, and leave this one be. Uh, the last game on our slate is our last top 10 team on the road. It's number seven, Texas. They're minus seven and a half at Iowa State. Again, one of the teams that I listed off as the teams tied for second place in the Big 12, you know, it would really throw off that number. If the Cyclones win this game, obviously Quinn Ewers is back for Texas, uh, but now they're without starting running back who's carried them here, Jonathan Brooks. They go back to Baxter. They go true freshman running back and Ewers who's been up and down, obviously with the injury in the middle of the season, but uh, throughout his career, he's had big games and he's had duds. They're on the road against an Iowa State team that has a lot to play for. Uh, God, I thought Matt Campbell was on his path to get fired here, but I think they might win this game. I'm not trusting the Iowa State running game. That's for sure. Uh, Eli Sanders and they're going to do in scoring. <laughs> Eli Sanders and Cartavius Norton have been just abysmally bad uh, this season. Like just so awful. They're barely averaging above four a carry as a team. And Texas is stout on the defense, especially up front with three yards of carry on the season given up. So. They're not moving the football on the ground. It's all going to ride on the shoulders of Rocco Becht and Jaden Higgins, Jalen Noel. Now those guys are talented and they're going to be able to move the football, which would be interesting. But uh, Rocco, I I don't think Iowa State wins this game. So it's not a money line situation, that's for sure. But it does feel like one that could be close. It's just going to depend on... What we saw earlier in the year is Ewers hitting those deep balls. If he can hit some deep shots, Texas covers. If he can't, Iowa State's going to be right there. And I think that it the likelihood is you're going to see Iowa State be right there in this game. Yeah, I've got this from Sports Grid. Uh, the weather forecast for this game, a high at night in Ames, Iowa of 34 degrees. Real-time expected temperature around kickoff of 28 talking 11 to 20 mile an hour gusts. Um, It feels like a really gross end of season Midwestern game. Um, And I just feel like one of those weird, you're playing without your starting running back, your quarterback still kind of working his way back. Like we talked about through the inconsistencies, how much of those guys really want to go to Ames, Iowa and head out on the cornfields and get to work. I, I, I don't, as much as I don't like Iowa State particularly this season, or, or really at all, they're not a high-scoring team, and one that I think is then in the normal ways we think of a team may be an upset kind of team. This scenario, at home, top 10 game, chance to go to the Big 12 title game, put yourself in a driver's seat spot for that, 20-something degrees. Let's get weird, man. I'm picking all the underdogs this week, so... Why not another one? I like this one a lot, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're tearing down goalposts up there. Yep. Taking them straight football. through the cornfield. 
Yeah, they can all instead of dumping it in a lake, they don't really have a choice. It's going to have to go into a cornfield to be found when some tractor runs right through it and breaks everything up. Uh, so top to bottom, the picks I've got Miami plus one and a half over uh, number ten Louisville, Appalachian State, Appalachian, 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 Appalachian. Yeah, see, just I go with App that. State or yeah. Crap well, I, State. Well, I knew I was going to get it wrong. Plus eight and a half at, at James Madison, Utah plus one and a half at Arizona. Tennessee plus ten and a half hosting Georgia, North Carolina plus seven and a half at Clemson, Arizona State plus twenty three and a half hosting number six Oregon, Kansas plus eight and a half hosting Kansas State, Oregon State minus two and a half against Washington. My only my only favorite I'm taking this week, Florida plus twelve and a half at Missouri, and then Iowa State plus seven and a half at home. We switch over to the DFS side. You're a homer this week at the quarterback spot. Very much so. We're starting it out. I mean, remember the last time we had JMU on a slate, McLeod went bonkers, and we had him, and we re- we we said we should play him, but we tried to recommend other guys because we didn't want to be a homer. Well, let's just drink the Kool Aid. Finally, they're ten and zero. The head coach has not been happy whatsoever with the offense even though they've been putting up monster numbers. I think game day being on campus is a little bit concerning to me as far as media obligations and the attention. But the coach is a Saban disciple. Saban actually came out and spoke on behalf of that they should be eligible today. He, he went out and released a little something saying they should be able to play which was nice of him to do. He, he's thinking about somebody else for once. That's that's nice. I think they're going to be very focused. I think they're going to have a chip on their shoulder with all this legal stuff going on with the NCAA. I think they're going to be out to prove a point. And over his last three games, he's had 300, over 300 yards passing and four touchdowns, minimum four touchdowns in every game. And that's not even including the one game where he had over 100 yards rushing and another two touchdowns. App State has not been very good defending the pass. They've been moderately okay at defending the run. They've played better ball in the last few couple of weeks. I'm just going to predict McLeod to light up the scoreboard, and I'm going to have a very thin quarterback pool this week. He put up a good, what, six touchdowns the last time we played him? Yeah, it was 55 points, 50 points, something like that. Yeah, it was a very, a very good game. I'm honestly surprised to see this name in your list here. Donovan Smith, Houston quarterback, 7,900. We have a love-hate relationship going back to his (laughs) Texas Tech days. Um, More hate than love. And the fact of the matter is, is that he can either win you a slate or lose all your money in a hurry. Because he's like Blake Bortles was, where he would just score all these points in the fourth quarter and you hated watching it and you just... I don't recommend watching the Houston game. I don't recommend box score checking it. Just wait until the end of the game and then check it because they're going to play Oklahoma State, who just got smoked by Plumlee. They're at home. I like that. It's one of the worst pass defenses on the slate. It's an okay pass defense, but it's still not great, giving up 255 through the air a game. They got a 26-point projection as a 7-point underdog. I like that. I think he has to use his legs. 
and I really just want to see that ceiling one more time. You know, he's had it five out of 10 games this year. He's been over 25 points, upwards of 40 in a few games. They do not have a run game to speak whatsoever on Houston. It is Donovan Smith. He's going to need to go for 80 yards, 50 to 80 yards on the ground. And I like the price. I think the price is where I'm in because I do not see a lot of value at quarterback this week. You mentioned the matchup you liked a lot for for him. I have to imagine you love the matchup for Will Shipley at running back from Clemson, 5,900. I do. And he split touches with Moffa coming off the concussion. He was more effective. He averaged about seven yards of carry last week. North Carolina has been just getting gashed on the ground. Everybody's been getting 100 yards. I think Moffa's going to continue to get work. They split work all year, and even then, in those close games, this will be a close one. Shipley did well on the ground, split work on the ground, but got more touches through the pass game. Before last week, Diabo made sure to tell everybody that they're going to ride the hot hand, and that was an indication that Moffa would get more work. I think Shipley now has gotten the hot hand after he returned, think 60% of the touches go to him, 40% there. But overall, this is a weird week for me at running back. I think we're going to end up with a very wide pool. So like quarterback, I think Gabriel, McLeod, Donovan Smith. And then maybe you get a guy here or there, but that's your main three. Now you look at running back is just weird. There's some high-end guys. There's some okay mid-range, but the, all the running backs this week are just awkward plays. So I don't know quite where exactly I want to fit into that right now. So because there's so many options, this probably answers this question, but in case someone else is out there, if this matchup is so good and it's a 60-40 split and uh, Pubnik's not great, why wouldn't you just play both? There's there's a uh, I understand. Don't lecture me. Le- lecture the audience in case someone asks. Yeah. So it's it's too much limitation of upside, right? So if they're going to score, if they're going to score four touchdowns as an offense, you figure Klubnik's involved in one to two. Let's just say two. Shipley has better odds to score one through the air. I also like Tyler Brown on that offense again this week, similar to the Syracuse time we liked him earlier in the year when he went off. But if there's only so many touchdown opportunities to go around, so they're going to be limited yardage-wise, they're not correlating plays, right? They take away from one another, and they don't complement each other. So you don't want to limit your upside. What I would prefer, considering they're $200 away from one another, is if you really wanted to, build one lineup with one and one lineup with the other one. And then just say, one of them's going to do well. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, your other running back you like, and on top of the many you have listed here, uh, is Carson Steele from US, USC, UCLA against USC 6,400. Uh, I assume that is, that is that USC defense we love so much. It's the fantasy carnival, and, and we don't even know who the quarterback is for USC this week. I would like to play the quarterback for USC, but they're all hurt. One of them's got a head injury. One of the them's quarterback got a knee injury. for USC? One, or for UCLA. Okay. 
You see, you got me on the USC trip. There it is. Look at our no, brains. I'm not playing LA Caleb Williams. LA schools just blended together. I'm not playing Caleb Williams because UCLA's got a good underrated defense. So I, I don't want to touch that. But I, I do love some UCLA pieces this week. I have no clue who's going to start at quarterback. I like the low. I really do like the value of Logan Loya at 4,500, the wide receiver. So I'm kind of want to sprinkle him in a little bit. But Carson Steele with those blonde locks coming out of Ball State, the man got out the Mac and he's still ripping ripping scores off. The concern is that there's a concern with every running back this week. Like Bucky Irvy, you think perfect spot. I'm concerned he might sit this week because they don't need him this week. So it could be a Jordan James week. Carson Steele, for example, he got pulled three weeks. Uh, I think it was two or three weeks ago. He got sat down for fumbling twice, but he was the most effective running back on the roster. Last week, they were just so terrible on offense. I don't know what they were doing. They were abysmal against Arizona State. I think they scored three points. It was awful. So I don't know what they're going to do. TJ Harden would be the other running back at 4,900. He's a shot in the dark. They usually split work to some extent, but Steele's a lot more involved in the passing game, and it's typically more of a 65-35 split in that scenario. So I, it's it's a weird situation. Like I said, you know, the, I realistically, Ollie Gordon's probably a little too expensive. Bucky worried about sitting. Omarion Hampton, tough matchup, but massive role. I think he's the safest of the upper echelon. Estime might be the highest upside at, at 8,000. Scatabo, can you really go there with Arizona State playing Oregon? Not really. Steel, we I like. I think he's worth taking shots on. I just wouldn't go all in on any of these guys this week. Like Sawchuck at fifty five hundred is interesting. Of Oklahoma, he's but that's a role that they flip back and forth all the time. You got the JMU running back. I would side with Lawton there at forty six hundred, but then I don't like playing quarterbacks with their running backs. It's an odd week. I think there's going to be some more stuff that you're going to have to figure out with this week, but there, you're going to have to sprinkle a little bit of everybody around, and I think we go with a core on the other positions and then sprinkle in running like different running backs, whereas normally it would be my core is my running backs, and I sprinkle everything else around them. You talked earlier about correlation plays. You got two of them at wide receiver. Oh, I'm correlating the heck out of my wide receivers this week. Elijah Surratt's going to get the nod for me as the stack partner for uh, McLeod. I think you can double stack again. Reggie Brown's the highest ceiling. Surratt coming off of a 13-catch, 160-yard game last week. He's been consistently the every-week safe play. He's going to get you the, the nice ceiling with a high floor. Reggie Brown is the other wide receiver. We highlighted him in that Georgia State game. He didn't do anything. You know what he did coming out of those two games? He scored 39 and 46 the next two weeks. So he's the tournament play. You know, Brown is essentially the Donovan Smith of wide receiver where we don't know what we're getting, but he can either win you a week or lose you a week real quick. So I think you mix him in a little bit. He had nine for 202 and two last week, which is absurd. And then the last guy, the last guy for JMU is going to be Phoenix Sproles at 3,600. I think he's a nice value play. High floor, low ceiling, 
kind of like a nine to 15 point guy, but that's all you need at 3,600. So he's a good way to save a little bit of money. If you want to get up to that Omarion Hampton and Estime, you can play Surratt with him. You can play him with McLeod. We're going to have McLeod. I think you just mix in all the wide receivers, one, two, any kind of different way. And then the last guy here is Joseph Manjack, the fourth of Houston from 5,600. He went to USC. I think everybody transfers uh, at this point. I think <laughs> I've kind of figured that out. I try to note it in the articles because I'm like, oh, it's interesting. He transferred from North Coast State because it used to be a special thing when a guy transferred. Now everybody transfers and now it just feels ridiculous that you even know the guy went to USC because he had like six catches in his career there. Manjack's 6'3". I thought he was a slot receiver based off of what I'd seen from him. He's 6'3". He commands the middle of the field. A big dude. He, yeah, he's a big dude, and he's playing well. He's gotten better and better as the season went on with uh, his rapport with Donovan Smith. Matthew Golden was their all-world wide receiver, explosive weapon, and he's out now for the season with a foot injury. He had a little drops problem. Manjack's been consistent all year long. He's been the security blanket. He's played great. Him and Sam Brown are going to be the two guys that have to produce in this matchup. And two-thirds of their scores on the offense come through the air. Manjack scored in each of his last four. I think he makes it five this week. So top to bottom, who you gave us. I put those into a lineup, and I have 4,800 out of flex if you want to start looking around there. Um, but you gave us Jordan McLeod, quarterback JMU at 8,300. Donovan Smith, quarterback of Houston, 7,900. Running back Will Shipley of Clemson, 5,900. Maybe Will Moffat, 5,700, one or the other, but Shipley's who we like. Uh, Carson Steele, UCLA, 6,400. Again, plenty of other running back names that are certainly in play. Uh, Elijah Surratt, wide receiver of JMU at 5,500. You can pair him if you'd like with Reggie Brown, 5,600. Uh, you prefer the ceiling of Surratt, yes, or the safety of Surratt? I like the safety, but safety I Safety of Surratt, cash. ceiling of Ron, Reggie Brown. Yeah. Uh, there's also Phoenix Sproles of JMU. If you're interested in that, he's 3,600. The value, high floor, low ceiling. Uh, and then Joseph Manjack is the other featured wide receiver from Houston at 5,600. So all that to say, stack your quarterbacks and your running backs that you offered me here. I go through with those seven guys, Surratt and Brown, both at the wide receiver spot. I am left with 4,800 at the flex position. The options there are Loveland from Michigan, Leon Johnson of Oklahoma State, uh Callaway of Louisville. Um, is there someone in that window that you like uh that you would recommend if someone was trying to play this lineup? You hit him and he stacks perfectly as a bring back to one of our guys, Leon Johnson. So interesting thing on Leon Johnson, actually. I was I was watching the game last week because I was praying Ollie Gordon would start doing something. <laughs> and I was just watching my money go down the drain. And Leon Johnson was a transfer, a grad transfer from Division Two. They were going to redshirt him this year, and he was going to be one of their star wide receivers next year. Well, with the injuries they had at wide receiver, they had to play, start playing him. He actually burned his redshirt to help the team out in a year that he could have redshirted and got a starting role next year. So this is his last season, and he's 4,800, and I think you're going to see him make some plays. Now, because you played Steel, I wouldn't play Loya. I do want to have a UCLA player in every lineup I build, though. 
somebody's going to do something. There's no way. I mean, they got a 28 point team total or something, 26 point team total. Somebody's got to score. They have a 30, they have a 30 point team total. Somebody's scoring. I don't know who, but every lineup I build is going to have some piece of that offense in it. Because well, they're and isn't, cheap. Isn't the word is Chip Kelly's getting fired after this game anyway? I mean, Chip Kelly's always getting fired. <laughs> it It is what Chip Kelly does. Uh, so it should be a fun week of college football. There's a lot of interesting stuff out there. A lot of top 10 teams on the road. Not a lot of ranked matchups, but at least uh, a lot of upset potential in the air. So who's it going to be? Somebody's got to do it. I, I coined this upsets giving week. So let's see what happens, right? It's Thanksgiving. That's my really corny way of making it kind of fit with the holidays. So uh, until next week for Brian and Chris, appreciate y'all listening. We'll see you next time.